author of Backcountry Skiing Bozeman and Big Sky, Ben Werner shares how he got into skiing, some of his favorite repeat locations, and why he loves backcountry skiing in southwest Montana. passionate about backcountry skiing for, well, I should say skiing for a long time. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I, I come from a ski family. So like my dad and my grandpa toured in like the oat route in, in Europe in the, I don't know, like 60s and, and 70s. And it was kind of before backcountry was really a thing. And so uh, I grew up just downhill skiing. And then after I moved out to Bozeman, that was maybe 2007, you know, I was looking at all, all these hills and I sure liked powder skiing. And I was like, you know, I, I should really figure out backcountry because my dad used to do that and I hear all these stories. And so I just kind of figured it out and started doing it. And, you know, as far as the book went, I was an expert skier already downhill. And so obviously there's some of that transfers to backcountry some of it's net new but I think you know, one of my ski buddies was like oh you should do a you should do an ebook you know Kindle and Amazon are, are big things or starting to be big things and you should go go do that and I thought yeah that's kind of cool and so I started keeping track like keeping notes and keeping GPS logs and whatnot for places that I like to go my, my full intent was to do it as an ebook but as I started writing it all down it just sort of turned into a paper book first and then I did an ebook. I don't remember if it was the next season or sort of a fast follow that I did. But the like the paper books actually sold way more than the ebook. Um, I mean, I still sell the ebook, but I, I would say, you know, I probably make 80, 90% of my money from the paper books, probably more like 90%. And what's the title of the book? It's Backcountry Skiing, Bozeman and Big Sky. It came out 2007. You can get it at REI. You can get it at the MSU Bookstore. You can get it a couple other places I'm probably forgetting. I've got a website too. It's just skibozeman.com. People can order it directly. So Ben, when people are starting in backcountry skiing, you, you talked about how you were you know, alpine skier and then started moving into the backcountry. Um, what sort of things should, should they start learning about from a skills and safety position? I would say number one, take an avalanche course before you do anything. That's going to be the the best intro. There certainly can be a lot of specialized gear associated with backcountry skiing, but I think if you take an avalanche course first, it's a good way to sort of learn what the essentials are that you need. But um, yeah, I mean, I can go into more detail about what those things are, but it's a little bit of a high bar sometimes to get all the the right safety and other gear required to do it but then I mean obviously it's cool because it's pretty much totally free after that it's just got expensive gear so talking about gear what is your setup like your actual ski setup or setups that you use Ooh, uh I have I don't think there's one pair of ski that I use more than the others I, I probably have three or four pairs of skis that are kind of my main ones and then I've got a couple pair of specialized ones you know, so I've got like a, a pair of rock skis I use in the early season. I've got, um, you know, a pair that are like about 100 millimeters underfoot that are really lightweight, really carbon. Um, I, I, I don't use those until a little bit later in the year. Uh, I've got a pair of super fat carbon skis that I ski on on powder days. Um, you know, I've got another pair that I use for more like couloirs or kind of steep mountain terrain. I've got another pair I use for volcanoes. I've got a couple 
telly skis I use because I like to mix it up with telly. So I've, like I said, I probably have too many skis and th that's just the skis, you know, obviously your safety equipment, you know, you've got like, uh, well, I ski with an avalanche airbag if I'm going to do a, a bigger day beacon shovel probe all the essentials there you know another kind of just basics like extra food and water and you know good map and good understanding of where you're going i mean honestly the gear and the terms have all in my mind kind of blended together you know like it's true you could use like a classic cross-country skiing setup right or you could upgrade it and get i think they call it the backcountry you know nordic binding right or, you know, you can get like a three pin tele binding that's a little bit stiffer, or you could do a modern tele binding, which is stiffer yet. And, you know, the skis, right? You could do no metal edge, you could do metal edge, you could do metal edge with fish scales, you could do metal edge without fish scales, you know, you can do super lightweight, you can do, you know, regular lightweight, you could do, you know, there's like, it's honestly just kind of, kind of all blurred together in my mind. Is there a certain pair you end up gravitating toward more often or it really depends on the season? You know, I would say, you know, later season when things are good, I've got a pair of uh, La Sportiva Vapor Nanos that are like an ultra lightweight carbon ski that's still fairly stiff. It's about 105 millimeters underfoot. It's got a nice big rocker in the front. And those, I would say, I probably do the most days on. But because they're carbon, because they're expensive, I'm always afraid to take them out if it's, you know, any chance of hitting rocks and stuff. So I usually don't start skiing on those until like after Christmas. Mm -hmm. So with the um, ski touring areas, what would you consider to be some of the top ones that you've done in this area that you repeat often that you just think are really classic? Uh, yeah, I mean, it all depends on how mellow you want to get, you know, somewhere like Telly, Telly Meadows, you know, that's like great snow, couple hundred feet of vertical, almost no risk of avalanches, right? Because it's like just enough to ski on. And I mean, that's a super fun place to go. Like I'll go there with my family, you know, somewhere like uh, a Goose Creek is a, is a great early morning uh, ski lap, like before work or after work or, or just to kind of go stretch your legs um you know that one's starting to get a little busy but it's uh, it's a good place it's got good terrain i mean i guess some other ones i kind of look at in that category would would be uh like lick creek uh, yeah. history rock um, history is a little bit more like you're getting into a little bit of avalanche terrain in history rock uh, but lick creek is real safe i mean goose is real safe telly's real safe Okay. And then uh, any up in the Bridgers you like to do like more kind of week in, week out? Um, you know, bridge access is a little harder in the Bridgers. Um, so there's some kind of bigger things there, but there's not like, there's not great meadow access in the Bridgers. Um, yeah. In terms of different like peaks to ski, like you're looking at peak objectives. What are some of your favorites in the area uh, for that? Ooh, uh, so that's a good one. Um, I mean, I would say Blackmore is on that list. Well, you probably pick one, either Highlight or Blackmore. I mean, they're both awesome um, and pretty classic. And then, uh, you know, something, honestly, you know, I would even, I would even put Mount Ellis in that category. Like it's not full on mountaineering, 
Um, but the reality is, I mean, you're skiing a great big avalanche path there. And so it, even though it's not like there's big cliffs and things, you definitely have to have to be on your game. I mean, I kind of think of that one as more of a peak. Um, I think those those are all, you know, pretty fun. There, there is one you should talk about, though, that is pretty classic and I don't have in my book, and that's Emigrant Peak. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know about that one. I've climbed in the summer. It. I had 103 degrees, but not in the winter. Ooh. Yeah, so it's um, there's been some dispute about access to Emigrant Peak in the winter, and there's a company that's trying to do mining up there. And I mean, this would make like this could be a whole interesting side story. But anyway, long story short, there's been a bunch of back and forth. Congress passed an act, and I think both Danes and Gianforte and Tester all supported it, basically to um, I think ban mining there at least for some period of time. Um, And then I think the Greater Yellowstone Coalition kind of acquired a little parcel at the bottom of it just in the last couple years. And so now, I think now officially there's public access there, but it it was a little sketchy there for a couple years and it was like maybe going to get shut off, which would just be a a tragedy. But um, yeah, Emigrant is just like a, you know, giant line there's some big couloirs and things that come off of it. And uh, I mean, it's incredible. It's like a 5,000 foot vertical rise from the valley floor up there. Is this the prime ski access from the from the hot spring side or the other side? Yeah. In the wintertime? Um, so I, I think you can do both. I've only ever done it from the hot spring side. And, you know, it just depends on that road and how far you can get up it in the winter. Uh, usually as the winter goes on it it becomes kind of a longer approach to get up there and then later it's a little better yeah that's a big peak that's a pretty pretty intimidating cool peak have you ever uh skied that gallatin peak i have not that's that one's on my list (laughs) my dad attempted it in the 70s and made it to that that last notch before the rise and then they it was getting late and they're like now we're done (laughs) which is probably I'll do it with you sometime. It's on my list too. Yeah, that that one looks incredible. Um, some of these, you know, it's kind of like immigrant where it's right in the middle of a massive, you know, outgrouping of peaks. It's just really, you know, classic summit, summit line in there. But yeah, that one and, you know, some other ones, I guess, look at in the springtime, everybody skis. I guess this kind of starts moving into more of these like shoot objectives where they're not so much like, in, you know, summiting, skiing off the top of the peaks like Sacagawea for example everybody goes over and then you know goes out towards uh Nanuki to the great one yeah um what are some of the I've got a handful of um shoots that I know of I've seen a lot of them I haven't skied any of them <laughs> <laughs> uh, um I don't know if I will maybe the, those days are behind me I don't know but uh I've got like uh the great one off of Nanuki uh, super shoot in the Bridgers. The, I don't know uh, that one. The Blaze Spanish Creek. Yeah. The yep. Laser Highlight. Uh, Banana shoot on Rock Ross Peak and Grand Coulard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know Grand Coulard, but I know Banana. There, there any of these that I'm any that I'm missing in there that'd be kind of in that category. Uh, well, sure, but you know, a lot of them don't have names, and uh, even even some of the names you listed, you know, this is where it gets to be a little bit interesting as a publisher, right? Because um, different tribes, it, and I don't mean like Native Americans, just different groups of people call them different things, and so 
yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I hadn't heard a couple of those names, um, but it, it'd be interesting to sort of talk and identify those with some more folks and see if they're commonly accepted by those names or not. Uh, but, you know, you as the publisher at the end of the day, you kind of get to make the call on that. Yeah, and I've kind of thought about how to do that, you know, because the interesting thing about some of this, you know, you're talking about tribes and, and I don't want to get in kind of some some argumentative war over <laughs> you can't talk about this or that or that thing but did um, you ever did you ever see um there were like these weird ski pamphlets that started showing up in bozeman like five years ago did you ever see any of these no no what, what were they so it was this was the weirdest thing brian so i was like one time i was um where was I? I was like going out to dinner with my family, I think, uh, I don't know, somewhere in downtown. And, and there were like these little pamphlets that somebody had printed up and like folded in half and it had a skier on the front. And like, we were just waiting for a table and I'm like, oh, what's this? You know, I pick it up and it was really, really weird. It was like uh, combat skier. I think that's what they called it. And they had like skiers with guns and it was sort of, you know, like the production quality was not very good. And then you fold through it and they were like, an alien graphically raping a yurt owner, like a backcountry skiing yurt owner, and the next page talking about how like backcountry bloggers are going to be hanged in Montana, and like the next page is calling out like the Gallatin Forest, uh, like the the Abbey Center folks, and basically talking about how. I don't remember what, like they're all idiots and you know they're giving away secrets and selling out to corporate America. And like it was really funky and weird. And I, I probably saw three or four of them show up over a couple of years and then they kind of disappeared. Like you still see, I don't know if you've seen any of those bumper stickers that people stick like up at Bridger or I saw one at Goose Creek that says we still hang backcountry bloggers in Montana. It, like it's just weird. These are federal lands. Like these are, you know, we are all public landowners. They belong to all of us. And I take an issue to somebody who says, you know, well, gosh, I moved to Bozeman in this year. You know, I skied at this place. This one is mine. Anyone else who comes here after me doesn't deserve it. You know, like that's just a like that's a really broken worldview. I think, you know, a much better way to look at it is like, look, there's a fuck ton of skiing around around Bozeman and in southwest Montana. And, you know, if you don't want to be around the crowds, then go pick up a map and go find somewhere to ski. Like, there are tons of places to ski. I certainly didn't catalog them in my book. There's no way you could possibly catalog them in something you publish. Like, there will always be secret stashes. And so, I don't know, people need to get over it. You know, the more people know about it, the more we can vote and support uh, making sure that that access is protected. And then ultimately, you know, those are, those are more places for everybody to go ski. You know, use a book or use a social media post as inspiration, but then like go out there and pick up your head and look around and, you know, like there's all kinds of places you can go. You don't have to go the way that some author has published and told you you should go that way, right? Like go find your own course. Don't, don't just be a, a cow in a herd that's all, all going the same direction. Yeah, I think people don't often think about, you know, using your public lands and that you actually have permission to do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you don't yeah. have to be, like, guided with some big group or have, like, some certain, you know, formal 
expedition sort of thing. It's it's really about being responsible and having the skills, but then having a you know spirit of exploration. I think. Yeah, for sure. Are are there things that you've updated in your book, or in things that have changed since you initially published it? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, to some extent, I published the first edition 10 years ago. I did the second edition about, I don't know, three or four years ago, and I'm going to do the 10-year edition um, this coming year. Uh, so, I mean, I would say that they've changed. I mean, certainly uh, we have more people <laughs> now than we used to. Uh, you know, that's changed a bit. Um, there have been some fires. There have been some logging. You know, it's like... I think as somebody new to town, you might look at the forests and they look, they look ageless or they look timeless, but they're really not, you know, like they, the forests do change and places that you could ski get thick and, you know, the trees just get bigger and the brush gets thicker and you, the skiing is not as good. And other times a fire burns through and opens up new stuff or, or logging happens and opens up new stuff. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Huh. Well, great. I would really look forward to getting a, a copy of your book and, and kind of digging in there. Visit bozemanskiguide.com to learn more about Ben's book and come back to thelastbestski.com for interviews and the scoop on skiing Southwest Montana. Until next time, happy trails.